Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. Okay, welcome everybody. I am super excited to have another interesting, cool guest with me today named Eric Barber. Welcome, Eric. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. So let's just start with where we start with everybody. Tell me a little bit about yourself and then your business. Uh, so I am uh, an entrepreneur that is uh, an, a lawyer by trade. I became a lawyer and I've been a lawyer for almost 25 years. I was a sports entertainment lawyer for a very long time. Worked in Hollywood in several different capacities from uh, casting to producing movies to working at an agency in what they used to call the TV packaging department. And then I practiced law for a long time, representing athletes, entertainers, had a couple of hundred uh, first round draft pick type athletes that I represented for a long time, not as an agent. Everybody always thought I was an agent uh, <laughs> as a lawyer. And I represented uh, a lot of people in the entertainment business. I think the biggest one for me is I represented the Tupac Shakur state for 18 years. And so a few years ago, I morphed that enterprise and uh, set it up where somebody could take it over, which was my law partner who now runs it. It's about uh, 80 people and about six offices. And we actually specialize in workers' compensation now. It was an interesting pivot after the 2008 crash. And I moved on to start a tech company focused in legal and the entertainment business. And so now I have a business called Creators Legal, which is essentially the legal Zoom for the entertainment business. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that is a lot of cool stuff. Um, wow. Okay. So where, sh where shall I begin? What made you, or, or like, how did you get into that world? Was that something, because I've talked to, I, I know actually quite a few lawyers, which is interesting, but um how did you get into that like entertainment world to start with? Was it like, oh, this is interesting to me and I want to get in there? Or did you know somebody? Like, what, how'd that look? So it's an interesting story, but I always wanted to be part of the entertainment business. I was somebody who sort of absorbed uh, film as art and music and books. And it was really just part of me. My mother was an artist growing up. And I always loved the merger of art and and the business world. Mm. So I really wanted to be a producer more than anything else. But so I went to law school and ended up in the entertainment business. And I won't say that I really knew somebody, but I did meet somebody that kind of helped me along a little bit, another lawyer uh, from, um, from LA. And we were actually working on a, uh, I was working at the time for uh, a basketball agent who was brokering a deal for a big basketball player and a deal for bottled water. Uh, this goes back quite quite a few years. <laughs> and uh, the lawyer who's from LA representing the athlete called me afterwards and he said, 
you want to be in the you want to be in the film business, don't you? And I said, yeah. How'd you how'd you know? And he said, I could just tell. And so he actually kind of helped me along. I I moved down to L.A. and he helped me get a get a job at a at one of the agencies. And cool. so that was really it. But there was a there was a deep seated drive in me to be part of the entertainment business because I just love art and I love the intersection of art and commerce. Mm. Okay. And do you do any sort of like, I mean, I think I would consider most of the things that we do creative and artistic in whatever way they are, including law, but do you also play an instrument or do anything like that on the side? As I like to say, you know, I, I am much better behind the camera than in front of the camera. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, evidenced by my TikToks. And <laughs> I really hate Gary Vee for telling us that we just have to post stuff all the time. Right? <laughs> so, um, but I, I am, I, I wrote a book a few years ago. It was, it was a, uh, it was nonfiction. It's about culture in business mm-hmm. and primarily niche down to uh, building building law firms through, through a good sustainable business culture. So I do a lot of writing and that's really where it is. Uh, you know, I used to sort of, you know, crack open the paints and try and do things like that. But I found that my creativity is, is more geared towards business and trying to shape and vision business. And I feel that that's a really, really creative, creative thing that doesn't get enough credit as being a creative thing. But yeah. if you look at our website, I've worked with the designers. I really, I, I'm studying creativity and design all the time and how that affects, how that affects consumers in a, in a lot of ways as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, uh, I mean, even just being a business owner in and of itself is a very creative process. You're like constantly iterating and trying new stuff and moving in whatever direction you feel needs to go next. I I absolutely believe in that. And I think every entrepreneur has to have that level of creativity, especially now. I mean, you're, you're thinking about, you know, what are the touch points of your company? What are they, what is the design? What is the feel of the company from the marketing side to somebody literally walking in the door and seeing the lobby? So from every aspect of it, that is a, that is very much an artistic enterprise to design a company and design the look and feel of that company from the very first moment that somebody understand that somebody sees your company to the exit for, for their, for them in dealing with your company. And hopefully they will, you have given them an experience that keeps going on. So when one of their friends and family need Whatever that service is that you provide, you will be the first one off the tip of your tongue. That they that the the designed experience, customer experience never ends. That there is a nurturing experience afterwards as well, and that is something I'm really proud of at the law firm that we have, which uh, which I no longer work at, but uh, and that was by design as well from the very beginning. That yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that. that. Cool and. and uh, that was certainly by design and, but we've got, we're very different and we act very differently than most law firms. It's a consumer-based law firm. Now it started, it's a workers' compensation law firm and does injury work. And we now do that injury work rather than for professional 
athletes, we do it for firefighters and restaurant workers and, and, and police officers. And it's community-based as I like to call it, because those are the people that make up the community. But we're very different in that if you walk into our lobby, you're going to uh, you're going to see that there's a beverage station there with a menu. You're going to see that there's um, you know the aromatherapy stuff in the corner that gives it a decent calming smell because generally people don't like going to see lawyers. So we wanted to give an experience that was different that made them feel more comfortable. On the other side is when they first become a client, they're going to get a workers comp. I can't remember exactly what we call it, but it's like a workers comp survival kit. Mm-hmm. which has a t-shirt in it and stress balls and, and, you know, um, snacks and things like that, because we're trying to create a designed experience at every touch point that they, that, that the client or the customer is interacting with us. Cool. That's super cool. I, I think it's, it's really interesting, like what you have created and just who you are in general, because typically you don't see as much of this, like, kind of you can speak to these both worlds which seem very different in a lot of ways and the type of people that you normally run into like you go talk to your average lawyer or go talk to your average artist not the same people yeah. <laughs> right and so i think it's really cool that you've created this spot in the middle where you can really shine because you like both of those worlds to be there and i like them a lot and i think that there was you know, it was interesting because my father was an entrepreneur who owned a lot of different kinds of businesses, but he was never really a great um, marketer in them if he wasn't face-to-face. So I'll give you an example. They owned a restaurant and a catering company for many, many years. And I remember that he had decided that they were going to make pre-made meals. And it was a great idea. And they made these really great pre-made meals. But when they put them in the in the refrigerated cabinet, because they had a big lunch business. So it was sort of like, hey, you want dinner too? Buy one of these pre-made meals. But the sign on it was this, sort of this handwritten sign that said, um, protein, vegetable, starch, you know, two ninety nine. <laughs> and I said to yeah. my dad, that's not really the most, you know, <laughs> most inviting type of advertising I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so I think that that was sort of my, one of my first lessons in there's a way not to do it. And then there's a way to do it. And so, uh, but I really started digging in when, when I moved from a type of business where I was, where I had a number of very, very highly specialized clients, like the athletes and entertainers that I was dealing with on a regular basis, all the marketing, everything about it was very concierge. They could reach me 24 seven. It was something I didn't want anymore. Mm. and and then I had to really learn how to market in a much different way when we expanded those services. And so I really started digging into books more and more. I've always had, I like to think, a decent eye for design. And so it was really just a matter of designing in a different way. I spent a lot of time you know, reading Seth Godin. I spent a lot of time reading all sorts of different kinds of books that are are stories told in a different way mm-hmm. and understanding entrepreneurship in a different way. That doesn't mean I, I skipped over, you know, Peter Drucker, who, if you dig into, you know, the greatest management thinker of all time, he's saying the same thing everybody else is. Mm-hmm. 
and it might just be on a on a different sort of more intellectual level. You know, Seth Godin breaks it down in a way that's very understandable and very very smart. And Daniel Pink is breaking things down in a, in the same way, in a different way to think about things. I highly recommend all of these. They call them thought leaders these days, but writers and doers. David or um, Daniel Pink is more of a, a researcher than than anything else, but his book to sell as human is is a must read for any entrepreneur. Um, Peter Drucker's um, managing on managing yourself a must read for any entrepreneur, as well as um, entrepreneurship and innovation. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so you you designed the law firm for you to to have an exit. Um, yeah. So then, what inspired you to create what you've created now? Um, where you're like, well, I don't want to just retire. I got to do something else. You know, what was that like? Well, I designed the law firm to exit, and I I highly recommend any entrepreneurs to really think about this. That if you are a solo entrepreneur, if you do not have a team, then pretty much you've got a high-priced hobby that can go wrong. And where my aha moment was a very difficult one because I, had, I was actually in Buffalo, New York, uh, doing a lawsuit for, for a football player client. And I, uh, I had had very bad back problems. My work had really taken a big, big toll on my body. I was traveling a couple of hundred days a year. It's a long, long-winded response. However, I ruptured a disc in my back. Uh, I ended up being in Buffalo for over three weeks in recovery. And I realized that having a small company that all centers around me is really, really bad because I could go broke very, very quickly if, if this is not set up as a company. So I realized then that I had a high-priced hobby, I like to call it. The hobby goes away, so does your income. So when I moved into doing workers' comp, which I found that was going to be more repeatable, that by design, I found a partner who was a lot younger, who was just hungry as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So by the time I was ready to, uh, to pass off the torch, so to speak, I was going to have somebody that was ready to step into the role as a business leader. And that's exactly what's, what's happened. I had come up with the idea of Creators Legal Almost at the same time, I had come up with the idea for to morph the, the law firm, hmm. but I didn't really have the wherewithal or the knowledge. And the other one was low hanging fruit to me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. But it was the rock and the shoe that sort of never went away that the idea of doing it, of, of this company was, was always there. And I thought, and then the laws also changed because being able to provide legal services uh, as a tech company, so to speak, wasn't really that clear. Like everybody was expecting LegalZoom to, to really get hit by a lot of lawsuits and all that kind of thing. And that lawyers certainly don't like, you know, the fact that uh, all of this stuff is consolidating down for legal services direct to consumer without lawyers. Mm-hmm. And so it took quite a while. And it took a long, long time for me to feel comfortable with the law firm running sort of on its own, so to speak. Got it. Okay. But then, so then at some point you decided, okay, I'm going to run with this and, and you created it. Yeah. It was probably about three years ago that I decided to make the real shift. And then um, 
it, it's it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. My book had come out mm-hmm. in the beginning of March uh, 2020, and and we were actually in the middle of fundraising. There was an investment bank that had said, "Hey, we really like this idea. We'll raise you whatever money you need." And then they pulled out, and I thought, "Oh, well, am I still going to be able to do this?" And we decided to pull the trigger anyway. And I actually funded the the majority of it. And so we raised some money from some angels, and then decided, "Okay, we're just going to go." Nice. So, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So you kind of shared one uh, personal challenge when you hurt your back that obviously that kind of gave you that different thought process and moving forward. But I'm curious about since you've been in business for so long, what is like one or two challenges that have stuck out for you and and the lesson that came from that in being an entrepreneur? Well, there's always challenges if you're going to be an entrepreneur, as I say, you're going to get kicked in the teeth six times before breakfast. <laughs> so there's there's always a huge challenge to maintain your mental psyche that that this is going to be okay. And whatever you got kicked in the teeth about is probably going to feel just fine tomorrow. But you've, you've got to really look ahead. You got to have eyes in the back of your head. And you've got to be able to see around corners. And when I talk about seeing around corners, the pandemic is a good example of this. We did fine in the pandemic. Uh, part of that was, and I'm talking not, not about Creators Legal, but about the law firm. I think there's there's better examples from the law firm and running the law <laughs> firm than there are from Creators Legal, just because it's an entity that's been going on and been successful for longer. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I had already been reading about the virus for almost two months, maybe a little bit longer. And my director of operations, who's a very smart guy, had also been reading about it. I spent quite a bit of time in Costa Rica. I was in Costa Rica. I came back at the beginning of March and end of February, beginning of March 2020, I pulled him into my office the day after I got back. I said, what do you think about this thing? We talked about it for about five minutes. I said, we decided that this was going to be very bad. I said, how long? And I called my partner in as well and a couple other people on management. I said, how long before we could be at home? Working from home, all of us. Mm. And this was two weeks before the lockdown order in San Francisco. We're based in Oakland. And the Bay Area lockdown order was was two to three weeks before anybody else in the country. So we're now, just to give a time frame, we're about two weeks before that. And we had prepared because we were very technologically savvy as a law firm. Hmm. We had always been that way and we designed it that way to make sure that if there was ever an earthquake, if there were the wildfires and you know our building got shut down, which had issues before we had backup plans we actually have a document that is an emergency backup plan on everything that we can foresee possibly going wrong so like if our building were to go dark because of a power outage we found a place that's close to hospitals so it's on a grid that will never go dark and it's a hotel that we pre-planned that we would be operating out of their conference rooms Right. This is so, amazing. This is this is how this is how lawyers plan and think. 
<laughs> this is well, not this how, is how most entrepreneurs plan think. and think, right? Yeah. This is, to <laughs> me, this is exactly how entrepreneurs should plan and think. This is yeah. the escape match, right? Um, if our marketing, our main marketing goes down, you know, where, where it gets cut in half, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, all these different things. If money goes down for three months in a row, what do we do? You want to pre-plan all of these different things. And that includes pre-planning things like watching out for legislation, mm. watching out for changes in the marketplace, watching out, you know, to some extent for your competition and, and the things that they are doing, trying to keep up. So if you're working too much in your business, you can't see these things. So you've got to get out of dealing in your business all the time, all day, every day, so you can scan the landscape on a constant basis and and really plan and vision out what you need to be doing for the future of your industry and the future of your enterprise. So much good stuff in there. I think you know that that is like invaluable, <laughs> and I, it's I think it's because right when you get into business, and you're an entrepreneur, and who knows for listeners if how early or far along you are on the journey. But especially if you're early along, and I know this for me in my first business, I never thought about like, what happens if this goes away later on? I was so focused on this is going to happen. I'm going to make this happen. Um, that all of that stuff you just talked about wasn't even like, didn't register at all until, you know, years in. So I think that's super valuable information. Yeah, it's, uh, you, you have to look at these things, you know, are you, there are still record stores, but there are not a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> There's still and, a blockbuster, just one. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jim Collins, who's the intellectual heir of Peter Drucker, it states in his book, I can't remember if it's good to great. Uh, I think it's good to great. Says, you know, you've got to confront the facts of your company and the brutal facts, no matter how brutal they are. So that means, you know, I, I was love the, the the story of the record labels who and the record distributors who literally decided after record after streaming had happened and Napster was happening that it was just a matter of time before all of that would be shut down. So they didn't sell all the trucks that deliver the CDs to the record stores. They parked them in a place and said someday we'll be driving them again. Hmm. Now if that's not you know, telling yourself lies, I'm not sure what is. Yeah, 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 that's so interesting. Oh, man. So, okay, so for you listeners, Eric is wearing a shirt that says creator on it, which I love because I think that we are all creators. What's that? I designed it myself. Nice. (laughs) It it looks great. Yeah. Um, But I think that we're all creators. So I'm curious uh, on your thoughts about because you were talking about a little bit ago the mental side of being an entrepreneur and how that's the most important part which is speaking my language because that's what i help my clients with and that's my favorite thing to talk about so i'm curious um, if you would expand a little bit more on that and and what creator means to you well i think a creator can be it can be just about anything whether it's actually an artistic creator or it's an entrepreneur uh, there's plenty of different kinds of creators, and we we deal with this all the time in creators like The mental side of this is this is a marathon and not a sprint. Mm. 
And it's far more than a marathon. It's a hundred marathons in a row. It's a marathon every single day. So you have to really stay mentally nimble and you have to, and there's going to be ups and downs and you've got to recognize that those ups and downs are going to come. There's just no question that they're going to be there. Like I said before, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to get kicked in the teeth six times before breakfast and then 20 times after, and you've got to be able to deal with those things. So, you know, I wake up very early. I'm part of the 4 a.m. club. Mm. I've never used, a. I haven't used a, an alarm clock in many, many years. I'm going to pop up every day and I'm going to have a daily ritual. And that daily ritual is really what sets my day apart from others. The people who wake up and sort of turn on their computer and, you know, start responding to emails, of course, they're not going to feel good about their day. The people who wake up, who go to the gym, who meditate, or even just sort of drink coffee and sit outside for a few minutes, who have planned their day and they know the three most important things that they have to get done for that day that they have priorities that are set. And remember, if you have more than, you know, one or two priorities, you have none. And they're going to be proactive and not reactive. They're going to set up their day mentally to be able to thrive through that day. And they're going to be able to deal with those challenges much, much easier because they know that something comes in, they say, that's not great. You know, some customers complaining, whatever that is, right? And they're going to be able to deal with that in a much better way because they can say, I can deal with that later. Or they can plan their day a little bit better and say, I'm going to deal with the negative stuff later at a certain time. Daniel Pink in his book, um, When the um, the Science of Timing, is brilliant in this because depending on which category you fall into about whether you're an early riser, mid riser, or late riser, your day and your emotional pattern of that day for everybody is just about the same. So you can really plan your day as to when you're going to deal with things. Now, you know, I have two companies. One, I'm not really there much anymore, but I was during the transition from me to my partner, um, was very, very busy. And launching a a brand new enterprise, plus everything else that I've got to get done. Well, I can still make it to the gym every day. I still take a nap 80% of the time every day. Um, I wake up when I want to wake up. I stop working when I want to stop working. Um, Now, this is sort of 98% of the time. I spend at least a third of my year in Costa Rica. I walk the beach there every morning before, you know, everything gets going. If I can do this with all of the different things and, you know, I'll add in, I probably play 50 rounds of golf a year and I read probably 50 books. If I can do this, then you can figure out how to get your day done too. I tell lots of people who say, I don't have time that uh, my response is generally that we all have the same number of hours in the day that mother Teresa did. (laughs) So a, you know, four foot 10 woman from Calcutta, look at what, how much she was able to accomplish in her lifetime. And we have the exact same number of hours in every day. So yes, you can figure it out by good planning and good mental energy. Awesome. Well, yeah, I feel like that is 
your story is such an amazing example of possibility, which, you know, for, for, I think most people just knowing that that is a possibility can be enough inspiration to like drive you towards that. And, and you're right. And I would say like, we get to create whatever we do in that time, the 24 hours that we all have. And we get to create how we think about that time, which I think is equally as important because we can think that this is terrible or we can think that this is on the way to where we want to be. All situations have two ways of thinking about them. They're either going to be really bad or they're going to be really good. There's a lesson to be taken from every single situation. I'm a big fan of the Stoics. You know, the, the, somebody reacts to something is everything. It is there. You cannot control the situations. You can only control how you react. Thousand percent. Yes. Awesome. Okay. So let's wrap it up with, uh, tell people a little bit more about Creators Legal. Who is like, who is the perfect person to check out Creators Legal? Uh, well, anybody who's in the, in the artistic realm at all from filmmakers, musicians, uh, it's mainly indies, but we've got a lot of small production company, uh, stuff as well. Uh, influencers, con- digital content creators, web, web series creators, YouTubers, TikTokers, uh, podcasters, authors, uh, live theater, uh, pretty much anybody in the arts. And so they, and a lot of it is the business side of that, but anybody collaborating with somebody else, you've got to have your contracts in order. You want to get your copyrights in the right spot and make sure that all the ownership is in the right spot, which is why we, we provide their contracts to begin with. And so all we're really doing is, uh, skipping the, the lawyers, so to speak, uh, creatorslegal.com pretty, pretty simple stuff. We, um, as we said before, it's very much the legal zoom of the entertainment business. Awesome. Cool. And where can people find out more information about you and your book? Uh, the book is called the case for culture and it's available on Amazon, Kindle and audible. And I also have a podcast called the daily creator and where we interview all sorts of different, uh, interesting people. We actually just dropped the, uh, our episode that came out uh, over this weekend was with DJ D Sharp, who is the official DJ of the Golden State Warriors. So go Dubs. And nice. uh, it, yeah, he's a really, really interesting guy. And again, the sort of intersection of art and commerce. And so um, they can hit me on Twitter at therealericfarber.com or therealericfarber, um, pretty much all over the place. You know, not hard to, I'm not hard to find. So Nice. Awesome. Okay. And what's, uh, what's one last negative wisdom you'd love to leave with our audience? Did you say negative wisdom? Nugget of wisdom, not negative. Oh, nugget of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, uh, take your time, right? Like it, it's, it's not a race. You may feel like it is, but I, stay away from all that crap on social media about entrepreneurship, all those little memes and photos and everything. That's just about the Lamborghinis and the, and the fancy watches and all that kind of stuff. I will tell you, I am still sitting at the same dining room table that I had when I was dead broke. Hmm. My house has not changed. All that kind of stuff has not changed because it has nothing to do with that. If you want to create then be an entrepreneur. If you want the money, figure out something else. Love it. 
Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much, Eric. I really appreciate you being on, on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.